stop. Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Hope you had a good week this past week. I know if you went to the grocery store this past week, you had some sticker shock, right? Anybody go to the grocery store when you're checking out? It feels like you're at the, remember when we were at the gas pump in the summer and you're like, what? And now it feels like that when you're checking out at the grocery store. I mean, everything is more expensive, right? Just more and more expensive. And if it's not more expensive, then the quantity is less. <laughs> and we all feel it. You know, groceries are up, expenses are up, mortgage rates are up, utilities are up. If you're running a small business, uh, you know, then, then you're feeling it. All your expenses are up. About everything's up except for, for a lot of people, paychecks. Yeah, paychecks are the same, right? They asked people, what causes you stress in a survey? And the number one answer was money. The number two answer um, was work, which is what you do to make money. The number three answer was the economy, which is what other people are doing with their money. The number five and six answers were about family and relationships, which are the people who cost you money and that you argue with about money. And the last two were about health, which is always made worse when you're stressing about money, right? So this is a huge area in our lives, finances and money. And over the last few weeks, we've been saying, like, are there some biblical principles? Is there some biblical wisdom we can get in our life that can help us get to a place where we have a little more peace and a little less stress when it comes to money? And we've been keying into this verse, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I'm going to read this verse. When we get to the red word, I'm just going to ask you to say it real loud here with me. It's how we make sure everybody's awake. But Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the what? For the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I love this verse. It's not primarily about money, but it's just saying when it comes to life, stop at the crossroads and ask for the old godly way. Look, if you just, especially when it comes to finances, if you just look around at what our culture says, if you just look around at what everybody else is doing, look, that is not going to lead to a healthy place in your life. We live in a toxic money culture. You know what normal is today, y'all? Normal is broke. Normal is stressed out, over your head in debt, no margin in your life, worried all the time, fighting and fretting about money. If you keep looking to the left and you keep looking to the right, that's where you're going to end up. That's what you're going to get. The Bible's saying, look, stop and ask for the old way. Maybe it's actually the old way, the biblical way, the wise way, that if we will embrace it, will help us lower our stress and walk with greater faith when it comes to money in our lives. It's the old way. So we've been looking at some very old, boring principles. And if you walk in them, I believe you can find rest for your souls. Today I want to talk to you about the very fun topic of saving. Aren't you excited? Somebody just thought, dang, we came on the wrong weekend, man. What's going on? Listen, if you will work on building up your savings, you can bring down your stress. It can happen. And I want you to hear some good news today. The good news is that God is still on the throne. 
And God is still your provider. And God loves you. You're still his child. He's still got your back. He still goes before you and behind you. He's still to your left and to your right. And listen, he's already declared you invaluable in your life, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter how much is in the checking account, no matter how much has been saved in your life. Jesus came to save you. And that's the main relationship that matters more than anything else. So you're already okay. You're already okay. So don't get all weird when I start talking about saving. You're like, oh man, I'm doing terrible. I'm not saving anything. Look, you're already loved. You're already valuable. And God has taken care of you. But there are still some things that you can do that can align your life with wisdom that can be helpful. And the first thing I want to share with you is this, to give yourself a raise to give yourself a raise. Um, I remember when I got my very first real paycheck. Anybody remember this moment? Like I, I was working a job and, and, and I looked at that first paycheck and it was so much money. Because all I'd ever done is odd jobs, mow the yard, clean the house, do all the things. My dad just paid me a little money. I'd never seen that much money. I remember, I remember looking at that paycheck and thinking, I'll never need more than this. <laughs> What an idiot, right? <laughs> but I'm like, wow, this is so much money. Oh my gosh, what am I even gonna do with all this? And what you find is, you find out real quick that you can spend that money and a whole lot more fast, right? And, and then as you get older, have you noticed like you, you get a raise or you get a job that pays a little better or, you know, and, and inevitably what happens is that, that money tends to disappear, right? It gets absorbed into your life and then it's gone. Anybody had this experience? You're like, man, I got a raise or, or I got more money. Where'd it go? Why am I broke at the end of the month? Like nothing happened. Economists will call this lifestyle creep. Like what happens is you get a little more money and you just do a little more things. You eat out a little more. You buy a little nicer clothes. You get a little nicer ride. You move to nicer environment, right? You buy some nicer furnishings. You get, and it, and it kind of climbs up the ladder. And studies show whether you make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year, a lot of people still feel broke. And when you ask them what they need, they say, just a little more, just a little more. How much? Research shows whether they make 20,000 or 200,000, the most often given answer is about 20%. If I just had 20% more, but the truth is 20% more would make no difference because it would get absorbed into the lifestyle creep. And that's what we all wrestle with. Now, if you make $20,000, everything would make a difference. Don't hear me wrong. And certainly there is a level where you got to have a certain amount of money to live, right? We all know that. And I'm not uh, being ignorant of that. But here's what I would say. We often assume in our lives that our first issue is an income issue. We need more money. And I want to push back on that a little bit and say, maybe you do need more money. Certainly if you're below the poverty level, yes. But maybe there's another issue at work here, and that is that you don't simply have an income problem, you also have a spending problem. And until you get the spending problem under control, it won't matter how much more you make, because it'll all just go right out the back door. 
And it doesn't really matter how much you earn if you spend it all. It's like, um, I remember being in a meeting uh, years ago with a friend of mine. He came in and, and he's like, man, I'm trying to lose weight. I said, oh yeah. He goes, man, I just came from the gym. He goes, man, I worked out like two and a half hours. I'm killing it at the gym, man. Cardio, weights, all the things. I'm just slaying it. Like, awesome. We had like this meeting and, and I noticed during the meeting on the table were some um, M&Ms that were the peanut M&Ms, chocolate covered peanut M&Ms in a bowl. And he sat there over the next hour and, and he just started reaching and eating the chocolate covered. Man, I'm working out hard. You know, like, and by the, and he literally ate the whole bowl of, I'm not, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating the whole thing. And I'm like, dude, you could work out all week and not work that off. I mean, you're, you're not going to lose anything. doesn't matter how much you go to the gym when you start scarfing down a whole bowl of peanut-covered M&Ms. And in a similar way, like, it doesn't matter how much money you earn. If you don't get your spending habits under control, you will find yourself broke at the end of the day. You can't out-earn bad spending habits. Three people are clapping. Four people are bothered. It's disturbing. <laughs> so I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just telling you from experience. Um, in my life, I thought for a while I had an income problem. And what I really had was a spending problem. And we weren't doing anything extravagant. I just wasn't being intentional about where our money was going. I wasn't planning it. I wasn't laying it out. And I wasn't holding myself accountable. And that's hard to do. It's challenging. But if you will do it, you can begin to build your savings and you can begin to get less stress. In fact, a lot of people feel like I can't save because I just don't have enough money. When I get a little more, then I will save. And my thought to that is simply this. If you don't start saving when you feel broke, you'll never start. If you don't, go ahead and clap for that. That's a good point. I heard one person over there is very excited. Look, if you don't start saving when you feel broke, you're never going to do it. Um, so take that step. Now, look at, let's look at what the Bible says. Let's get some wisdom here from the Bible, real wisdom. All right, Proverbs chapter 6, beginning of verse 6. says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? That's what we're going to be calling the cowboys tonight if they don't, if they don't pull it out. <laughs> It'll be a lot worse than lazy bones, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> ah, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Who, who doesn't want to be wise, right? I want to be wise. The Bible's saying, just look at the ants. You want to be wise? What do we learn from the ants? Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer. Ants work hard all summer, and they gather food for the what? For the winter. So even an ant understands that life comes in seasons. There's seasons of abundance, and there's seasons of lean. And in the summer... You want to gather and save and build up so that you can survive in the winter. Now, we've been in this teaching series, Recession Proof Your Life, and I don't know if we're in a recession or headed straight into a recession like some economists predict. I'm not an economist, but here's what I do know is that life comes at us in seasons. 
And if we're in a season of abundance, then it's only a matter of time before we hit a lean season. And many of us live in such a way like we don't really believe that. We think it's always going to be up and right until we die. And the challenge, I think, for us is to realize if you're in a season where you're working and you're earning and you're doing well, wisdom says, look, even the ants get this. Store it up in the summer and be ready for the winter. Have you ever looked at ants and seen them just, have you ever seen an ant just sit still? I don't think I've ever seen an ant sit still. I was thinking about this. Maybe you have, but, but like, there's no, I mean, like an ant just like kicking it on the kitchen counter. I mean, they're always like, you know, like they're, I don't know, man, they're, they listen to like death metal music or something. They're always moving, you know, moving, moving, a classical, you know, opera going, you know, it's like everything's fast. And have you noticed that like, if you leave a little bit of food out, and, and I noticed this in our area where we live, but man, when I lived in Southern California, Southern, like all of Southern California is built on an anthill. And I'm telling you, man, they would show up in your kitchen and it was 911. Because those two little ants, it's like, kill the ant, kill the ant. Because if you don't kill the ant, by tomorrow morning, there'll be 2,000 ants in a little Congo line. And it'll go all the way down the table, all the way out the door. And I mean, it's like, dude, chips are going back to Uncle Louie and, you know, all this stuff. Like, pass it down the line. I mean, the ants are working it. They are working it. They're hard workers all the time and they realize life comes in seasons so if the chips are on the table come on somebody now's the time get the whole family it's harvest time all i'm saying when it comes to savings is we need to trust god but we also need to be wise and being wise means to realize life comes in seasons now some people say well i just you know it takes everything I earn to pay my bills and to sustain my life. This is where listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio was really good for me um, for a, a long season in my life. And I want to encourage you, look him up, he's on the radio. Now, you might not like it, but this is why it was good for me. Because Dave Ramsey is one of these kind of, I don't know, he's kind of a redneck guy who just like punches you in the throat. And sometimes it's good. You know, he'd be like, how much is your car payment? Uh, okay, what's your car? Well, yep, you can't afford it. Well, what you, sell it but I sell it, but I can't, you got to get rid of it. Next question. You know, what's your, what's your income? Okay. You know, how much you pay in, in, in rent? Yeah. Yeah. You got to get out of that. Get out, move. And you know, like sometimes you just need to get hit in the face, right? I did. I needed to get hit in the face. Like I gotta, I gotta deal with stuff, but there's a benefit to making hard decisions in your financial life. And that is you get more peace on the other side. When you position yourself where you are spending less than you earn, you're positioning yourself for more peace on the other side. So you build up your savings. You can start to bring down your stress. Um, and you will feel like you gave yourself a raise. Here's another thought, and that is put your money to work. Put your money to work for you. We gotta work hard, but we also gotta work smart. I'll never forget years ago, I was working a construction job uh, over the summer, and they gave me this job of digging a hole, like just with a shovel. I'm like, where's the backhoe? But anyway, they, they gave me the shovel. Me and this other guy who was like in his 60s, we were both supposed to dig these holes. It was gonna take us the majority of the day. And I thought, gosh, man, um, you know, I'm gonna have to dig this hole, and then I'm also gonna have to dig this old man's hole as well. Because he's not gonna make it. You know what I mean? Because I'm looking at him like, dude, come on, man. 
So we start going, and I, I kept looking out of the corner of my eye over at this older gentleman, and I'm like, man, he's not even going that fast, you know? He's like, kind of got a rhythm, and he's sort of doing his thing, you know, like just shoveling along. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to crush this, you know? I'm working hard, hard. I'm going after it. I'm going as fast as I can. And, and you can already sort of tell where this is going, right? Within an hour, I have blisters on my hands. I was totally exhausted, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think I, don't think I can do anymore. And I look over, and this old man's like, he says, son, you got to work smart. You got to pace yourself. Watch me. And he finished digging his hole, and then he came over and dug my hole as well. He schooled me. It's not just about working hard, y'all. When it comes to money, we got to put our money to work for us as well. We got to try to work smart when it comes to money. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, says this. It says, send your grain across the seas, and in time, what? Profits will flow back to you, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. There's a couple things in this verse. First of all, he's saying you got to be willing to let go of some of your money and send it out across the seas. It might not come back, but some of it might come back and actually bring profits with it, right? You got to be willing to take some risk. And then it says, when you take those risks, diversify. Don't put everything in one area. Listen, don't just invest in real estate. Invest in other things as well. Don't just invest in a stock. Invest in other things or other stocks or other things as well. Like spread it around because it says you don't know where the risk might lay in the future. That's just biblical wisdom for how we invest in our lives. So I got 10 $1 bills here. I tried to get 10 $1 bills out of my teenage son's wallet. He doesn't have any ones, but he had like five twenties. I'm like, dude, anyway, what can you get for a buck anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. I want you to imagine this, 10 $1 bills as your take-home pay. It's everything you bring home after taxes and all the things. This is like your take-home pay. This is, this is your money. What do you do with it? Well, here's what I think biblical wisdom would challenge us to do with it. You take the first dollar, the first 10, and you give that to God. And we'll talk about this later, but that's the principle of tithing or honoring God, putting him first in our money. And so you give God the first 10. And I've, I've done this for 30 years in my life and seen just tremendous fruit from it as I honor God in my life. You take the second 10 and you pay yourself meaning you invest that, you save that, you, you pay yourself with that. Now, a lot of you are like, I can't live on 100. Most of America, did you know the statistics show that literally 60% of people, six out of 10, don't have $1,000 to their name? They couldn't come up with 1,000 bucks in cash right now. Six out of 10 people. Most Americans take all $10 and spend it every month. Not only that, most Americans take all $10 and spend 12 or 15 every month. Right? But if you will start to adjust your lifestyle to such a way that you can honor God, we'll talk about the benefits of that, pay yourself over time 
it can reap huge dividends. And the way we do this in our lives, I do all of this automated. Uh, you know, I send, when my paycheck hits my bank account, first part goes to God, I automate that. The second part goes to investments in the future. We save that. I automate that. Why? Because if I get my hands on it, y'all, it's gone. So I just get my hands on what I can spend, you know, and then I manage that. But over time, it starts to make a difference. So the idea is to begin to position our lives where we can live on 80% of what we actually bring home in pay, which I know may sound impossible, but it isn't impossible, and it can actually give you a sense of margin. So what do we do with that 10% that we save? Well, here's just a few quick thoughts um, I wanna bring up on the screen of what to do with that 10% that we save. We talked about this last week, but the very first thing um, that you should do if you're just kind of starting out is to try to get $1,000 saved up in a savings account. Um, and this is just to help you because things will go wrong, things will go sideways. Pay the minimums on all your credit cards, all your things. Try to get 1000 bucks saved up for just you know the next crisis that will definitely occur. Then you want to start dealing with your credit card debt. And we looked at last, at last week, like Dave Ramsey suggests, you list your debts out from smallest to largest and you pay the minimums on everything and you start putting as much as you can on that smallest debt until you get it paid off. And then you move to the next one and then you move to the next one. And most people in one to three, years, even though they think this could never happen, but in one to three years, they start building momentum up and they can get a lot of this paid off and cleared off their books and a lot of that stress and pressure out of the way. And then you want to start to build up an emergency fund. And most people suggest like three to six months, which may sound crazy to some people, but you have a savings for a rainy day, for a job situation, for a layoff, you know, for things that could happen in your life. But what do you do kind of after you get some core savings, you've got some of your debt knocked down. You're not sort of in the crisis mode now. You're actually moving into a health mode. And I think there's a couple areas here. One is savings and the other area would be investment. And this is where you're trying to, um, investments where you're trying to put your money, as Ecclesiastes says, at work for you. You're trying to not just work hard, you're trying to work smart. Economists say you should focus on savings if it's a short-term thing. In other words, if it's one to five years, you're going to save for a car, you're going to save for something, for a vacation, you're going to save for something coming down the line in your life, then you want to save for that, um, you know, just in a savings account in a short-term kind of thing. If you're looking out, if you're willing to let that money go for like seven years or more, you should really start looking at investments, real estate, uh, you know, uh, the market, different kinds of investments. Both of these things are risky. Both are risky. In fact, a lot of people, I was raised by parents that were super conservative financially. And I think in a lot of ways, they kind of had a bury it under the mattress sort of mentality. You know, like, like you take that dollar and you're like buried. In fact, it, it bled into me. Like I had a friend who was my financial advisor and, and he said, Judge, like your approach to financial risk personally is like a dude driving through the parking lot going 10 miles an hour with their seatbelt on and the airbag already out just so you know who's talking to you. But here, here's what you gotta realize, like just because you have money buried under the mattress or money in a savings account, there's still a risk. And the risk is a thing that we're experiencing right now called inflation. Your money gets less valuable over time. So if you take all of your savings and just put it in a savings account, listen, if you take $1, let's say you're 20 years old, and you put it in the, in the 
in a mutual fund in the stock market and it performs like the stock market, the S&P 500 has averaged out over the last, over the history of its run. If it performed like that for the next 20 years, that $1 would be worth $88, okay? You take that $1 and you, you just put it under your mattress in 45 years, how much is that dollar worth? Well, because of this thing called inflation, not very much. <laughs> so long-term, just putting your money under the mattress is a risk because your money's getting less valuable all the time, right? Um, long-term, depending on how long, investing it in certain ways could be less of a risk. So both of these things are risky in different ways. And I think for us, if we can help you, we'd love to help you. We have a seminar called God's Way with Money. It's coming up on January 28th from noon to four at our Henderson location. It's also February 11th, again, noon to four. You can watch it online, it's free. But we'd love to help you, if we can, when it comes to your financial life. But the idea Ecclesiastes is challenging us with is take your money and put some of it to work for you. Be willing to take some risks and let go of it. Trust God. Trust the future, diversify, don't put it all in one place, but trust that God can move and work in that and you can put your money to work for you. Here's a third thought and that is to trust God with your future. The truth is, whether you're saving or you're investing, it's all a risk. It's all a risk. And if you put your trust in money, you are always gonna be stressed out and you're never really gonna have peace. The only one really worthy of our trust is God. If you put your trust in money, you're trusting a lot of things. You're trusting not only the market, you're trusting the economy, you're trusting that the nation will stand as it stood all this time, you're trusting that the value of whatever, the dollar or whatever will remain for 20 or 30 years. You know how long that is? You know, you're, you're making a lot of assumptions. And that's why I think we all have to step back when it comes to our financial lives and say, we want to be wise, we want to save, we want to put back, but the only way I'm really going to have peace is I'm going to trust my God. My God has seen me through life this far. He has washed my back every step of the way, and I believe he will take care of me as I move into the future. That's the only place you're going to find peace. And you can read all the studies of people that have you know, ridiculous amounts of money that have no peace. When it comes to their fiber, I saw one whole documentary about, about people trying to figure out when to retire, small business owners and others. And, and you know, five million, eight million, all these people feel like they can't retire. They don't have enough yet to retire. I mean, at some point, if you're trusting in money, the Bible says, Ecclesiastes, it says, he who loves money will never have money enough. If you love it, you will never have enough. If you depend on it solely, you never have enough. But when you trust God with your future, that's different. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, says this great passage. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your, ban your barns with grain and your vats will what? Overflow with good wine. I said last week, like, this isn't really a celebrate recovery approved verse. All my celebrate recovery people. Like, maybe it shouldn't, maybe wine shouldn't be in there, you know. The idea is God's gonna, God's gonna bless you. He's gonna take care of you. He will overflow into your life. Honor him with what he gives you. And we'll talk about that more next week. But what I've seen over the years is that when we will trust God with our future, when we will honor him and be generous back to him with what he gives us, it, 
it blesses us in a lot of ways and not just financial. I had one friend write me and he said this, when he started tithing and giving back to God, he said, God definitely rewarded me in many ways, but I feel like I'm living proof that you can't outgive God. And he said, at first, when he started giving, my pay was cut by 25%. And nobody's clapping for that. I don't understand. Yeah, all right, awesome. Like I thought if you started being generous back to God, like the blessings just flow. That's what the TV preacher said. Like everything would just work in your life. No, it's not. Look, there's a lot of misconceptions about what it means to honor God with your wealth and with what he gives you. You honor him with your wealth. You may find that the blessings you think you need are not the ones you need. And you may find that while you think money is the biggest blessing you need, it's the least blessing you need in your life right now. You need to be blessed with peace and love and relationships and joy. Some of you need to be blessed with things money can't buy. And this friend of mine said, you know, when I first started giving, my salary's cut by 25%. And he said, you know, what's going on? But he stayed faithful to it. He just kept honoring God with it. He made it a discipline in his life. He said, today I'm writing to tell you I'm in the best financial shape that I have been in years. And it all happened because I began dedicated tithing and giving to God. And he just said, you know, all glory to God. That's my experience over all these years as a pastor. So many people grab me in the hall. They grab me after service. And they're like, you know, I come and I would hear this teaching periodically and kind be challenged to be generous and I never really took that step and I'm like what did you think I was kidding think I made this up and uh, they're like you know but but they always seem so shocked they're like but then I did and, and all I can tell you is it, it has released something in my life it's it's done something in my life it actually works And it doesn't work in some kind of genie way, like Aladdin, you know, you rub the lamp and you get your wish. It doesn't work in that if you're generous, God just pours money into your lap. But it works in the sense that it realigns your trust and you're putting God first in your financial life. You're trusting him with your future. You're acknowledging it all comes from him and you're setting yourself up to go forward with less stress. So... If you want to deal with the money stress in your life, my challenge for you is first to step back and start spending less than you earn. Figure out where your money's going. Start getting control on your spending. You might have to make some lifestyle changes. You might have to make some adjustments, but the reward will be huge for you long-term. Get that adjusted, and now you're in a place... Now you're in a place where you can start saving for your future and investing for what may come and realizing, hey, life comes in seasons. Even the ants know it. Next time you see an ant, I want you to remember this, right? Bible called you a lazy bones and then said, look at the ants. Just look at them. Just remember, like even the ants know winter's coming. So I need to store in the summer so that I'm ready put things back and honor God with what he's given you. Best thing of all is that your value isn't determined by what's in your bank account. It's determined by who God says you are and by his love for you. And he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to move and work in your life. And what he really wants from all of us, it's not our money. It's just our heart. He wants a relationship with us. That's the thing. It's the most important thing. 
And so if you're here today and God's been tapping you on the shoulder, he's been calling you home to him, I would love to just lead you in a simple prayer to open your heart back to him, to ask him to move and work. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? You just repeat after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him. You're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bless you guys. Thank you. God, I thank you for just each person reaching out to you today. I pray you'll fill their lives with your love, joy, peace. Watch over them, protect them, restore, heal. God, may we all walk in faith and faithfulness to you. And may we find that sense of peace, uh, even the peace that surpasses understanding. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.